Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Go Call Your Sister. This is a very special episode because we have our most special guest back on the podcast, Christy Bridgers. We we actually have three special guests. We have Mom, who I'm sitting <laughs> right next to, and we have Dolly, who was under our feet in some way, has shoved herself under Mom's makeup table. And then we have Honey, who was running around somewhere in here. <laughs> it's, it's my life. It's a dog party. It is a dog yeah. party. We officially are like the third and fourth ranked children now that there's Dolly, who's always reigned number one, and now baby Honey. Yes, and y'all are going to miss the Christmas card this year. I'm so sorry because our other children will be present. Mom's pretty bitter about us not being here to take a Christmas card photo. Yeah. Yeah. KB, what has life been like becoming a dog mom of two? Oh, wow. It's a lot. Um, Walking two dogs. um, I think I've finally gotten it down, but it's a little chaotic, but I love it so much. And Honey is such a good little dog and she's so sweet. She's as sweet as Dolly. So we've kind of gotten the two leash thing down. So we're doing good. Yeah. But how do you feel about Honey vibing with dad more and Dolly vibing with you more? Yeah, it's an issue. But, you know, we got Honey because Dolly is so my dog. And so dad really wanted his own dog and he did pick honey up from the breeder. And so they initially had that bonding, which I did pick Dolly up. So she loves dad, but she also loves me. You're supposed to bond with them like the first hour. So whoever picks them up, they're the ones that are the closest. Well, and I feel Mm. bad for dad. I mean, he needs his dog too. So, um, you know, honey does love him. That's great. Um, well, speaking of dad, <laughs> speaking of dad, we celebrated his birthday last night all together. It was so fun. St. Leo's not get out of the park. So festive and so fun, like always. They have some great new merch that I'm sporting right now in this recording. And I'm glad I have some merch because you and mom are matching in your Exo Sarkar merch. And I'm pretty bummed because my Exo Sarkar sweatshirt was unable to be delivered. Oh, well, bummer. that was a user error. That was, was. not it on was. our business. Allie put in the wrong address. But yes, mom and I are both rocking our light pink. You're doing great with the red font. And this is the new color that came out this week because it's so fun. Like I was vibing with pink and red and I was like, I can just put it on the website. And so I mailed dad one for his birthday as his birthday gift. Because our dad turned 51 yesterday. Shout out, David. And I just knew. I knew how bad it was going to go down if I sent that sweatshirt <laughs> Her mom, I was like, mom was really, <laughs> really excited to get a to get a gift on dad's birthday. I it, will say, yes, it was very special, and I rocked it at AA this morning because this is a great slogan to wear to AA. You're doing great, even when you yeah. don't feel like you're doing great. You can just read the sweatshirt. And- you guys look like little candy canes or like Valentine's. <laughs> I, know. I know, I love it. I got the green and white one, and also I just want to say. Between all the addresses I've lived at in the past six months, it's really hard to keep track. So <laughs> that's why that happened. We're going to get yours. We're going to get yours too. Did dad like his sweatshirt? He loved it. Did it fit he him? So, yes. He, you know, dad, when he gets a gift of any kind, especially clothing, he immediately puts it all on. Oh, yeah. I asked him to send me a picture and he, I, I never got one. So we'll get one today. We got him a Viore set and within two minutes... <laughs> He had come back in the room sporting like the full thing to show us how it fit. And I actually have the same matching one that Allie gave him. So now we can be that married couple that dresses alike. That's special. 
Yeah. Well, I'm really sad I missed the birthday festivities, but I am coming home this Wednesday for my solo only child Thanksgiving, which I'm so excited about. People keep saying like, aren't you upset that your siblings aren't coming home? And I'm like, to be real, no, I am so excited. I love being the only child. It's funny because like I have had five holiday seasons to myself when as the youngest child, like he gets plenty of one-on-one time with mom and dad, but you as the middle child do not have that. So here you go. Yeah. You know what? Shout out, shout out to all of my middle fellow middle children out there. It's fucking hard to be the middle and be the glue and like always have to be sharing. So yeah, this Thanksgiving, I'm not sharing shit. It's just me. And I'm so excited. Sorry, sorry. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Um yes, you have totally embraced being the only child. You've got this is your second solo visit though, so. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I was sad to miss last night's festivities, but I'm really excited. And I'm just excited to have KB back on the podcast because our highest listened episode, other than our Rush episode, which went kind of viral, was the episode with mom. I know. We've had so many requests to get mom back on the show. The people have been begging and pleading to have KB back on the podcast. And you know what? One thing about us is that we deliver. Well, that may, you know what? Shout out to all those people that want me back on. That is so nice. I'm honored. That makes me, I feel the love. So thank y'all. That's so sweet. Well, thank you for gracing us with your presence today, mom, on this rainy Friday. Yeah. So I thought something fun could be us doing a little intro and everyone sharing about their weeks. Um, Mom and dad, I don't know if you guys obviously know this, but they actually beg to be on every intro that we do in every podcast. So I thought why even like deprive Christy of being on the intro. Let's just do it all together. Yep. One big episode. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Wow. Maybe I should go last. Well, Bird, why don't you kick us off? What's happening on the West Coast? On the West Coast. So this week has been relatively calm for me, just kind of getting back in my groove of being here before I leave for the holidays. Um, Perry and I went on a really cute double date on on Wednesday, and it was adorable. So as we know, Hinge Man that I've been going on dates with, he has a friend that is very Perry-like. Like we've always said that, like this man has always said that his friend really reminds him of Perry. And Hinge Man loves Perry. So Perry and I were invited to an influencer event on Wednesday to get a sneak peek at the San Diego Botanical Garden Christmas lights, which was so much fun. And we each got a plus one. So we we're like, this is the perfect double date. So we met at a little brewery and then we went to the Christmas lights and it was so much fun to like get in the holiday spirit. It was also raining. So everyone was like under the umbrellas, like cozied up, like Perry and her date, they were like under the same umbrella and it was like so cute to watch them walk through the lights and we got hot chocolate. We were just having a great time. The double date was really fun. I would like to say it was successful. I don't know what will come from it, but it was definitely good energy and it's always fun to like meet new guy friends because we don't have a lot of guy friends in San Diego. And um, yeah, this weekend's going to be really chill. We are going to watch the Ole Miss game tomorrow morning. We're having a baking morning. We're making banana bread with our best friend, Matt. Another fun recipe in Hawaii for my friend Becca's birthday party, we did chickpea chocolate chip cookies that are vegan. And we're making that tomorrow morning too, alongside the banana bread. (laughs) I got cookie fix and they had a chickpea in it. I would cry so hard. It's good. It doesn't sound good and everyone's hating on it, but you just wait till you try one. You're going to love it. I just want to say it's really hard having a sweet tooth, which we clearly inherited from you. But what we did not inherit was your metabolism. And it's just really hard to indulge, but also, you know, Stay fit. (laughs) 
imagine that, mom. I know you can't imagine it, but imagine not having a super great metabolism, but loving cookies. <laughs> it's like we got the worst <laughs> in the worst. <laughs> no, I told Allie after listening to Anna Grace's podcast, I do feel like I fed y'all with feelings, you know, because my part in that was like, if you had a bad day, I'm like, let's just make some cookies. And so, yes, I, I take all the blame. We actually that. had a family conversation last <laughs> night, a follow-up, if you will, to our episode about where our negative programming with food stemmed from. And mom <laughs> decided that, you know, she came up with, I fed your feelings with food, which is true. And dad, you know, was like anti-carbs, anti, like he would chew up a donut and spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what no one's perfect no yeah. one can do no that. but i mean for the most part we emerged relatively unscathed i would say yeah i agree like i do think that we we came out pretty pretty decent but last week's episode was so good and we had so much good feedback on it i'm so glad you guys liked it and i'm glad you guys it led to a moment of reflection mom felt guilty over the 100 calorie snack packs <laughs> I just, yeah I, I was sitting here thinking like huh well who was buying that it wasn't us we were kids the little green bags, you know? I mean, I don't know. It was just one of those fads, and I thought I needed to do it too, I guess. It's okay, Mom. I don't want you to carry that guilt around. <laughs> I'm not. I'll let it go. We forgive you. We forgive. Great. Thank you. So that is a long roundabout way of talking about my week. How has y'all's week been? Oh, my God. <laughs> the do- Dolly and Honey have the worst, worst gas. gas right now, and it's horrible. <laughs> no, it is lethal. Like, it is literally lethal. Oh, my <laughs> I can't even breathe. Oh, it's hard to practice breath work when you have that going on. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we need to open a window. There's no, of course, of course, we're in mom's closet because There's of the no shitty Wi-Fi situation here. Um, holy wow. That is horrible. Okay. Um, my week. My week has been good. It's honestly been kind of low key after our Friendsgiving. Mario and I both took pretty much the whole day off on Monday and just like laid on the couch because we had been working so hard to get this party together and get our house together. So we really just took a personal day on Monday, which was so nice. And then I'm just in this like really creative era, I think. And I keep having these people like cross my path that have really great ideas that I'm really excited about. And I feel like I'm just about to start like several new ventures. I don't know exactly what they are yet. And I know I just launched Wildflower, but I feel like I have some other things that are percolating in the background, which I'm excited about. I love that. Keep percolating. Percolating? Percolating. Perk it up. Percolating. Perk it up. Yeah. On the on the thought of taking a personal day, I think we should all be taking way more personal days. Like I love the idea of just taking a personal day. Yeah, we took a personal day. We continued on our Harry Potter journey, which was mm-hmm. really nice because you know Mario can't watch it at night anymore because he has bad dreams. <laughs> well, he's not into the fourth one, he said. Yeah, well, so we had to watch it during the daytime and it was raining. It was a nice it was a per- perfect personal day. But yeah, and so then yesterday we drove down to Oxford to celebrate dad, like we talked about. We're going to the game tomorrow. This will be Mario's first football game ever. So exciting. Yeah. So it's a big day for him. I need a full recap of what Mario thinks about the Grove. Honestly, I think what you should do is take voice memos for the podcast next week of his experience, like in live real time of the Grove. Like, what do you think about the Grove? And And he gives you a live... I'm sure we're going to have some great one-liners. All right. We have entered the stadium. What are your initial thoughts? Uh, it's pretty cool. 
Uh, it seems like a slow game, but yeah, it's a morning game. So I'm that's excited. Great. I'm We're excited. on the hunt for some swag. Yes, I need a good hat. You need a good hat. All right, let's practice. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. Ooh, love the spirit. Harry, hotty toddy. <laughs> All right, checking in. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's a little bit cold, but it's a great game. What do you think about Ole Miss football? Uh, they're playing soccer, but it's great. It's fun, right? It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I've never been to one, so this is my first one. So, hotty toddy. What are you shaking right now? I'm shaking the pompon. The what? The pompon. <laughs> yeah. Babe, what just happened? Huh? What just happened? Uh, we came out on the bigger screen called Jobatron. <laughs> How did it feel? Uh, I got my five seconds of fame. I feel made. Your first game, you made it, babe. I know. First game. I'm so proud of you. I I'm told ready you on the, you were a good dancer. First game, I'm ready on the big screen. I knew I would make it. You're a star. Thank you. Thank you. I can't yeah. wait. I love to see someone experience the growth for the first time. It is so joyful. It really is. I'm excited. He also like doesn't really, I mean, he kind of understands football, but we're still learning. <laughs> he said last night, he goes, I've already been to the grove. I'm like, oh no, that was when it was empty. Yeah. So really excited to see that through a newcomer's eyes. It'll be fun. Yeah. It's exciting to see things like through a new lens, like when people are seeing things for the first time. So I'm excited for you. Um, all right, KB, hit us with your week. Well, I am enjoying a new workout actually this week. I, well, I started last week. A lot of friends have been trying to get me to come to Burn Boot Camp that's here in Oxford. I feel like that's something the three of us share. We're all class girlies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I get so much energy from other people. I'm just a people person, community person. And I've been doing that and every workout's different and um, I just love the energy and doing something different. And, you know, I'm almost 51 too. I, I know I'm still 50. Dad's 51. So, yeah. One thing I love about classes though, like, I don't know if it's this, I mean, you love it because of the energy you get from other people. But for me, it's like, I'm thinking all day long. So the last thing I want to think yes. about is my workout. And so I can just go in and have zero thoughts cross my mind. Yes. Yeah, I like to just like disassociate and go to the class and like I don't even know what's going on. I'm I'm bench pressing. Okay, now I'm doing jumping jacks. Like I love it. I had a it's, moment in P-ball this week because I've been going to P-ball, which mom came to, came with me I the first time. It, it was fun. Besides strapping on all that equipment. <laughs> that mom was wasn't fun. a fan of all the equipment. But I was doing something in there and then all of a sudden I think I just disassociated <laughs> because I was like, holy shit, like how did I start doing these lunges? <laughs> Yeah, you just kind of check out, check back in. We'll lunch right. right now. You know, and I do feel like that because once you become like an instructor, of, I love teaching yoga, but like sometimes you just want to go and, you know, be taught. And I really, a shout out for Burns. It's so intentional. Every day is something different. It's upper body, lower body, cardio. Today it was agility and speed. I mean, I felt like a football player. You're, a, like, you're an athlete. I felt like I was training for the Olympics. It was awesome. And so like, you know me, I just, I need those endorphins and exercise always does it for me. So I've been enjoying that, teaching my yoga classes. And I, I've kind of just tried to reset this week and not saying too many yeses. I kind of got in the habit of saying yes when I really, my body was saying no. So I'm realigning that. Mm -hmm. And this project downstairs that we started in April is almost to completion. Bird, you will have a bed to sleep in when you come home next Wednesday and a new Ooh, bathroom. Your bathroom is beautiful, by the way. Whew, I'm it is so excited. 
It's been a big process, but we've learned a lot. And just to drop your expectations and practice gratitude and eject when you need to. So, well, I'm proud of you for cutting back on the yeses because I feel like, you know, you go through seasons of like, yes, yes, yes. And then it's good to kind of reel it back in and just come into yourself. Yes. And I was needing that. It's hard because like, I want to tell people like, I do care about you. Like, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just overwhelmed. Like, I'm not ignoring your text. I do want to hang out, but I just like, I can't right now. And it's hard to like say that because you feel guilty and like, then you overcommit and you're over yesing. And that's something I also have to be very aware of. Yes. And I really have to practice what I teach my students in yoga. I'm telling them to find their you know, true north to, you know, focus on your body. Your Is your body telling you what your mouth is saying? And I really want to practice what I preach. And so I just had to kind of reset all that this week and it. I feel like I'm finally breathing deeply again and coming back into true alignment with what is right for me, what serves me. And, you know, it's been a good week so far. And then we got to celebrate dad and honey bee came back from the trainer and she has a few manners, (laughs) but she now is getting in our bed in the middle of the night. I told bird, she's kind of like her, just the dog form of birdie used to get in the bed with us and be like prying our eyes open. Are you awake? Yeah, I used to get in bed with you guys. Like, I was actually telling this story, like, until I was pretty old. Like, I shouldn't have been 12 getting in y'all's bed. Yeah, Allie holds the record. Wait, wait, wait. I just want to say, getting in mom and dad's bed, you slept with me every night. You slept with Allie. You were so sweaty. Like, the world's (laughs) sweatiest human. I would wake up and the bed would just be soaked. Oh, you had this habit of just like taking your fingers and literally (laughs) opening people's eyeballs when you wanted them to wake up. Yeah, I also used to be like an extreme sleepwalker and I'm still a pretty like high functioning sleep talker. And let me just tell you, like now as an adult, I think about it. And like if I had a child and I woke up and they're in front of me, get the hell out. Like, no, it's very frightening, Bird, I'll tell you. But Honey Bee got had the hiccups the other night and crawled in our bed. It was just like, look at me. (laughs) Um, Okay, wait. So, Mom, I want to kind of I guess we could take this as a jumping in point. But the last time we had you on... (laughs) I don't even think you had begun your yoga journey yet. Like no. this was only a couple months, like maybe the spring, early spring after you had gotten out of rehab in the fall. Yeah. I was only five months sober, I think on the first yeah. podcast. And you just this hit was two like, years. Yeah, this was raw. October or no, this was March of 2022 was the last time we did your sobriety episode. And I feel like you have like just changed and evolved so much since then. Yeah. <sighs> and I feel like yoga has been a big part of that. So Do you want to kind of tell us like how you got into that and kind of just, you know, how things have changed since then? Wow. And I was thinking this morning, gosh, that seems so long ago. And it seems like I was a different person then. I think a little bit of that, I was still kind of on that pink cloud. I'd heard people talk about it when you're so excited about sobriety, you know, and I think when I did that, I was excited. I was feeling a little, I was still feeling a little, I was a lot raw and it was all new and, um, so yeah, the um, now I feel like a different person in a lot of different ways. But yeah, yoga was such a huge part of keeping me sober. I did not jump full feet into AA for 11 months. And I do not suggest that by any means. But yoga and meditation really were my life source for a while. Um, just to, you know, call in the presence of God into that moment and to just... Um, feel his presence through the breath work and yoga. So it was huge for me. And I did the training last January and I really did the training, not thinking I was ever going to teach. 
but um, I decided that I really wanted, it's just hard to, I guess, get a gift and not give it away. And yoga was such a gift for me. So I did want to give it away, especially to my recovery community. And it's been the biggest blessing. And um, I really enjoyed that and just learning something that yoga really intimidated me in a lot of ways because I was just, y'all know, a cardio junkie. And um, it's been interesting just to learn um, a new way just to be calm and um, slow down. to slow down and to breathe. And yes, I've really enjoyed it. And just the community we have at Baptiste in Oxford is just such a blessing and gift to me that um, I can't imagine, you know my recovery, being sober. And in a lot of ways, I think when I said yes to yoga, it was the first time I said yes to a job that really was in line with my whole body, mind, and spirit, because both of you know how many things that I did um, Mm -hmm. trying to find that thing. I mean, who gets their real estate license, their insurance license? Um, You're a teacher. Let's not even even begin to list the amount of exercise classes that you've taught throughout our entire lives. There was boxing, orange theory. Boxing. Boxing. What was that? um, That T, the one. Oh, P90X. It wasn't P90X. It was, it wasn't Tabata. It was, um, I can't even remember. Yeah, if there is a job, if there's a job other than like being a doctor that like she just couldn't do, like Christy's done it. Like, I wonder, she, I wonder if you're a manifesting generator. I we just, to, we need to see. Well, I do like to be busy and I do like, I, you know, I will say that I like to be curious, but, mm-hmm. and I like to try new things. It's a good quality. And, mm-hmm. you know, but I think a lot of things I jumped into because I was a people pleaser and a caretaker and people asked me to do things. And I said, yes, before I really checked in to if it was right for me. So yoga was definitely that thing. I said, yes. And it was for me. And so I can see a lot of growth in that. We're quickly interrupting this episode to thank one of our partners, Funkit Wellness. We have been absolutely obsessed with Funkit Wellness. I'm sure you guys listened to our episode with Kate Morton. She is the founder and CEO, and we are in love. Honestly, it was one of our most highly listened to episodes. We talked all about hormone balancing and seed cycling. We didn't even know what that was before we discovered Funkit Wellness. And it's a huge, huge support for balancing your hormones and hormone health. And it's an amazing product. And we just couldn't be happier to partner with Funkit Wellness. Yeah, Funkit Wellness has become a huge part of my day-to-day life. And I've noticed a huge difference, especially the week like leading up to me starting my period. I feel like I used to feel just kind of like out of whack and uneasy. And since incorporating seed cycling into my just like daily morning routine, I put it in my smoothies, I put it on top of my fruit or yogurt bowls. I just noticed a huge difference in my internal balance and just kind of feeling like at ease the week leading up to my period. There are so many amazing benefits that come with seed cycling, like increased energy, less bloating, your skin looks better. Like the list goes on and on. So if you guys are interested in trying seed cycling for yourself or any of the other amazing Funkit Wellness products, we have a 15% off code for you guys in the link of our show notes. That'll get you 15% off any product. And we are so grateful to have Funkit Wellness as a partner of today's episode. Back to the interview. I get messages from people all the time on Instagram saying, I just took your mom's class in Oxford. It was so good. Like it's exactly what I needed for my week. And I just know that you're changing people's lives and their days because like I know a big clientele at Baptiste are college students and I don't feel like there's enough like wellness at all in the college space. And so you're providing people with that piece that you were given. And I think that's very powerful. Mm -hmm. I hope so. It's 
it's really fun to be a part of their lives and just be a part of just, you know, that just small little hour of their day. I always feel honored to um, share in that with them. So it's a huge blessing to me. Yeah. I mean, you really are so good at it. I've taken so many of your classes and I can really tell you are practicing what you preach in life. And um, it makes me really proud to see how far you've come. You know, speaking of, you just hit two years of sobriety back in September, which is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And if you are a new listener and you want more info on our story and you're a little confused, um, we'll link our episode, our first episode with mom in the show notes so you can listen to that. Oh, and our episode with our brother, because they kind of go hand in hand, um, kind of summarize my, our mom and brother got sober pretty much around the same time, um, back in 2021. We really didn't think it could get harder after 2020, but it did. It did. <laughs> um, but that was, that was a big year for us. It really put us on a new path of, of change in our family. And we're seeing, we're in the, the end of the tunnel and we're seeing the, the light and the good and the joy that's come from it. I feel like we're out of the tunnel and we're on like a water slide. Like we got out of the tunnel, which was shit. And now we're on a water slide and it's just fun. And I'm like, woo, woo. I feel like it's, I hope that it's more of like a calm, lazy river than a water slide. Like I would much rather have the lazy river right now. Okay. Well, in the lazy river. That, that Bart and I are, we would take the water slide. Like, I, I get that, but I'm kind of good with my cortisol levels staying pretty, pretty um, calm and, and down a little yeah. bit. But um, anyway. And I know that like that, I hope gives people some reassurance to hear because you know, a lot of people listening to the episodes with mom and when like they're still in the tunnel. And yeah. I think it's, I feel like when we first did the episode with mom, we were still very much also in the tunnel as well. Yeah, and but we so didn't realize I like, we, were in the tunnel. we didn't realize. Yeah. At that point we were kind of like, oh, we did it. But like, there was still a lot of hard parts after we did that episode and, and a lot of growth. Totally. And that's kind of where I want to go with this question. Mm-hmm. So it's been two years, mom. And, you know, going from where we were, you know, still in that tunnel back then, but not knowing it, can you kind of talk to us about the phases that you've gone through since? Wow. Yes. Um, You know, and I mean, addiction is a family disease. And I just want to just commend you and dad and Allie um, for sticking it out because it is hard to watch and witness someone that you love so much just suffer through this. So, we get the chips and we get the applaud, but really it's the families that stick with you that um, really need to get a lot of the praise and applause and thankfulness. And so I'm grateful every single day that I have a family um, like I do that stuck with us and, and y'all do the work, you know, and you stand beside us. So it is a family disease and you all recover in different seasons. So I'm grateful that I've had such a faithful and strong family to stand beside Wynn and I. So thank you, girls. I love y'all so much. And yeah, it has been a lot of different phases. Um, you know, it, it, it's always dark before the dawn. And that's for sure, because I saw a lot of darkness, um, especially after even that podcast. I couldn't find my people, per se. And, um, you know, I was really not against AA, but I felt like it was punishment for me, or it was like, I had to do this thing and I didn't really want to do it. I wanted to be at yoga. I wanted to be outside. I wanted to still have my life that looked a lot like my drinking life, but just sober. And that was never going to work. And so I can look back now and know that God was preparing this whole path so that I had those experience because it's made me who I am today. 
And by the grace of God at, you know, I almost, I'm going to be very vulnerable. You know, I almost relapsed at 11 months. Um, I remember where I was. Um, we had just gone through a very hard couple therapy and I was in my car by myself and I was so overwhelmed. And the only coping mechanism I knew at that point was to just take a drink. And that's when just God intervened. And by the grace of God, I picked up the phone. I called my sponsor. I called my therapist and and I did the deal and um, I got myself to a meeting and the people that showed up for me on that Saturday I'll never forget. It's when I met my first sponsor that had just moved from California. She sat right beside me. And and that was a God divine moment because I had to have people. You will never do this by yourself. It is always a we thing. It's never an I thing. And that day changed the course of my recovery. And and I saw what AA was and what I had put up walls and didn't want to see. It was people that surrounded me when I was struggling and I didn't know how I was going to put my next day together of being sober. And um, it just still checks me up because that's the beauty of the program that I love. And everyone gets to choose their path of recovery. And and I just want everyone to have community and, and AA is my thing and it might not be your thing, but on that day, it changed that course for me. And I would have missed the biggest gift if I wouldn't have gotten into those rooms because it is a circle of people. There's no judgment. There's no shame. And when you're struggling, you go in and you get encouragement, you get taken back to the solution and, you know, but that didn't happen overnight. It took time. And so I'm grateful that I have that community now. I'm glad that my church said yes to an AA meeting that we have on Sundays now at 11. Um, It's just amazing to see, but how much has changed and where I am today, but it is, you know, it's a miracle. Every person that gets sober is a walking miracle because when you have those high levels of dopamine for so long through alcohol and drugs and you don't have that fix anymore, you know, it takes time for your brain to heal. And that's why it's just like, you just take one day at a time because it is so overwhelming and I'm grateful today that I do not have that obsession with alcohol. I would not take it back. You know, if I, if it says in the big book, if I were to drink again, I would die, you know, and that doesn't mean physically die, but I would lose everything I've worked so hard for the relationships I've built, the relationship I have with my children, my husband, my nieces, my nephew, you know, just all these beautiful things of how life has changed because I show up sober, I'm present and I can sit in uncomfortable. And those first 11 months, God was training me how to be very, very uncomfortable and, mm-hmm. you know, and to stay and fight for my marriage, you know, and that was, that took dad and I both, you know, and you have to do the work every single day. And I, I'm just blessed and in all that, you know, I stand here today, two years later and all the beauty that has come from the ashes because I've witnessed it. Definitely. And I feel like a lot of people think that like the hardest part of recovery is like getting someone to go to rehab, like getting them in the door. But I do think that like some of the hardest parts, at least for our family, were like post rehab and starting the life of sobriety and how different it is. And we're from Oxford, Mississippi, where like the main event is alcohol, like everywhere you go. And just in the past two years, mom, like you've done so much for our community. You've put an A, you've built AA meetings. Like St. Leo literally has a whole mocktail menu because you did that. And 
you've just changed so many lives. And there's people that I've talked to specific, specifically who've said like from listening to the first podcast episode that you did, their family was changed for it. And so I'm just proud of you. I knew that I knew that you would definitely change lives. Well, that's just the amount. That's the, that's the beauty of our community. People have stepped forth and, and, and been that beacon of hope like St. Leo's and doing that, you know, it, it is, it's a beautiful thing when people support you like that. But if anything too, I, I want to keep speaking this truth because the stigma of addiction has to die. You know, I, in those first 11 months, I held my head so low because I was so, I was beaten down. You feel so broken, you know, and here I was a mom and my son and, and we both just went away and got help. And that is powerful. You know, if you're listening right now and you think that it is weak to ask for help, please smash that lie right now because that is the most brave thing you can do. And by the grace of God, I had a husband that got me help because I still didn't ask for help. You know, I didn't ask for help. I was told I was going to rehab and that is what it took for me. You get, you get it when you get it and you get sober in the nick of time. And by the grace of God, I got sober in the nick of time. But that stigma that people, you know, I see people that are too ashamed to come to a, into an AA room and, and everyone's different and everybody has a different path, but it is time this day and age. So many people are dying. This is a powerful disease. It kills people every single day. Every family is affected by it, whether it's alcohol, drugs, food, everyone's recovering from something. And so I'm never going to be silent. You know, I don't want anyone to feel that shame I felt when I had to return to Oxford, you know, beaten down and broken because that does not define me. Yeah. Recovery mm-hmm. does speak louder, you know, yeah. and that is what I think we just need to keep pressing forward and not be ashamed. You know, you know, when I spoke at the Kappa house, you know, I think that the most powerful thing was when a girl walked up to me and she said, I'll never forget you saying you're looking at an alcoholic. And, you know, I am, I am a grateful recovering alcoholic. And at first when I had to walk in those rooms and say, hi, my name is Christine. I'm an alcoholic. I wanted to die inside. You know, I was a mom. I was a friend. I was, you know, all these other things. And then I had to say, and now I say it with such a grateful heart because that word alone has driven me into relationships that are deeper and better and more sincere. It makes me approachable, vulnerable. And it I know to this day, it will be the most powerful eternity work I do is saying I'm an alcoholic so that no one feels ashamed anymore. And just, you know, I mean, that is, it's, it's powerful. And so, you know, that's where I think that people just need to get honest and be open and, and not everyone can, you know, share, but I just didn't have a choice. And I knew that God was telling me that this is not my story. It's his story. And so I have to be honest. I can't edit it. Well, you've always been a leader in everything that you do. So we had no doubt that you would be a change maker when you did get sober. And we're just, it's been such a gift to watch you do that. But I want to go back to one thing that you said, and that was the strong thing to do is admit that you need help and actually take steps to get it. Because the weak thing to do is to continue to hide behind alcohol. And so many people do that. Like we all know people that are doing that now. And it really is the opposite Mm -hmm. of what you think. It actually is so strong and empowering to step up and say, this is what I struggle with. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm taking the steps to recover. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that on Wynn's episode too, but like the power and just laying it down, like you're carrying something that's so heavy for so long and it's affecting every other part of your family and your life and your relationships and just being able to lay that down. Like, 
It's like the biggest deep breath. Yeah, it's just the burdens lifted. And, you know, it's not why the addiction, why the pain. Every addict, alcoholic, there is something inside of them that is hurting so bad and and they and they just feel like that's the only way for relief, you know, and that and that keeps you in it longer than you want to stay. You know, and and because the pain is so powerful and so strong and you know, for me it was, you know, living in a college town where alcohol is everywhere, you know, it's it's a miracle that I've been able to stay here and and do my program, but you know, I'm not there's not a city in this country that doesn't have alcohol, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just admitting it and just, you know, seeking the help you need. And, you know, you don't have to go shout it from the rooftops, but you, I I just hope that everyone would have that one person that they could be open and honest with, because until you get truly honest about what is going on, you know, it's hard to admit. And then, People around you don't know how to support you and and help you if you can't admit. You talk a lot about relationships and the support you've gotten from your family. And we have had a lot of questions like on our Ask Me Anything episodes from people that have alcoholics either in their family or their boyfriend or girlfriend's family or a friend. And, you know, relationships are such a crucial part of recovery. And it every relationship is different, too. I feel like, you know, since we had that episode, um, like even our relationship has changed throughout the course of that, because I think it's really easy for people who are family members or friends of people who are in recovery or who are alcoholics, they can carry a lot of like anger. And, you know, that was my personal journey is I always feel things later, like any sort of reaction in the moment, I just kind of have trained myself to push it down, push it down, push it down. And that is something that I'm working through with my therapist right now. Well, I have been for the past couple of years. And so when you went through recovery, I just kind of was like, all right, let's get through it. Like, let's do what we've got to do. Let's, you know, whatever. And I pushed down like the actual feelings that I was feeling about it, which were anger, resentment, you know, I felt, and you can carry good, good feelings and bad feelings at the same time, because while I felt those, I was still so proud of you and really, you know, I loved you. So what advice would you give to someone who is a family member or a friend of someone who's going through that and they're dealing with those conflicting feelings? Because I think that is so normal. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and also someone who just doesn't know how to approach it with them as well. Like maybe they aren't even in recovery and they don't know how to handle that in their, their life. Yeah. Cause like for me, I, it took me a long time to actually, I mean, it was right before I moved to California that I actually sat down with mom and was like, hey, I have these complicated feelings and I just need to share them with you because I've been carrying them around and it's really heavy for me. And because I kind of thought that you were too weak or too vul- like too vulnerable for me to actually have those hard conversations with you. So yeah, what advice would you have for someone who is dealing with conflicting emotions about it and then someone who doesn't know if they should share these things? Like, what would you say? Yeah, it's, you know, right there is is the gift of recovery because- we don't have to hide from each other. And and that was a powerful moment for Allie and I to share together for her to be honest. You know, yes, you're afraid to share those hard feelings with someone new in sobriety because you honestly think, are they going to drink over this? You know, and I, it was so powerful because, you know, that was also in part of my journey that it had clicked for me. I was getting sober for myself 
at that point. It had become about me. You know, at first I was just trying to stay sober for Wim because I didn't want to let him down. I wanted to be there to support him. But, you know, it's hard to go into those feelings, but that is the beauty of recovery in our family because we can share whatever is on our heart. And, and this is one of the truths I read every day and it's so powerful. It says addiction is a family disease and everyone in your family will have to seek their own healing. You cannot do it for them. And, you know, I do highly recommend therapy, first of all, for families going through this because there is no, self-help book. There is no guide to this. No one tells you when your mom comes out of rehab, do A, B, C, and D. I mean, you are shot out of the cannon, basically, and recovery starts the day you leave rehab. And it is overwhelming for that person, newly sober, for the family. I mean, there's just no guide. And so people get so overwhelmed. And it is a process and you have to be long suffering in it and, and get the help you need, you know, family therapy, you know, when and I were both in a rehab situation where there were still COVID rules, we didn't really have that family therapy. And I think that is such a need for families because it is a family disease. And my advice to anyone going through this is, you know, be patient, seek your own healing. You nor Allie could get me sober nor dad. I had to do it for myself. I had to do the work. And, you know, you needed to seek your own therapy and healing as well, because you also were suffering. You might have not been the addict or the alcoholic, but you had deep wounds in living in a home with a, you know, alcoholic mom, you know, your brother. And so, you know, everyone has to have time to heal. And I would definitely recommend if you're new in this, you know, to seek that family therapy, have a mediator who knows addiction, knows family therapy. You know, we've been blessed with those people in our lives that can help us through that. And, you know, I just would definitely be that to seek outside help in those areas and then to be willing to be vulnerable, you know, and to say those hard things, because if you don't say it, you can't stuff it down and things get better, you know, uh, and you have to shine light on the dark places. Yeah. And what would your advice be for people who just like, don't know how to approach it? I mean, we did everything in the book. We wrote letters, we had family meetings, we did all this. And I know at the end of the day, it's like, you can't make anyone get sober. It's such an individual personal choice. But what about those people who have, who are listening to this and they have those, you know, alcoholic relationships in their life and they don't know how to, to help them get help? Yeah. And that's another place you have to seek people that know about this disease, that know about recovery, whether that's Al-Anon, whether it's through, you know, asking, you know, your therapist to, you know, refer you to someone, but it, it, it it's so different for everyone. Everyone has a different path. And there's a great book. It's called Love First. And I highly recommend it for families that are dealing with this because I think most of the time getting people to the place of realizing they need help, you have to start in love. You know, you have to go to them and say and not you cannot yell at them. You cannot tell them how horrible they are. This is a powerful disease. The most powerful interaction I had probably this year was with the a person that had lost her mom. And she looked at me and she said, Christy, why didn't my mom love me enough to quit drinking? And, you know, I, I just, I'll never forget those words because what I was able to say to her is she did love you. This is a powerful disease. 
and she loved you to the bitter end. She could not, it just, it was too powerful. And that is addiction. And so all that to say, when you have someone in your life that you are really worried about, you know, you go with love, you, you don't go, you know, telling them you're going to do this. You're going to go, you know, you go to them and say, I love you so much. And I want you to get the help you deserve. And I want to get, I want to help you. I'm not going to leave you to this alone. You know, I'm going to walk beside you. And if you cannot be that person to walk beside them, you find someone who can, because like I said, this is not an I thing. It's going to be a we thing forever. And, you know, and just that support and going to them with just the honest love and support. There's plenty of time for therapy down the road to say, you know what, but I'm angry at this and I'm angry at that. To get people the help you need, you're going to have to go with love first. I think too, it's also looking at it like this gradual process. It's not like, okay, this one thing and we're done. Like I think going into it, you think, okay, she's in rehab, check. All right, we're out of rehab, check. Okay, we've hit a year, check. Like it's never going to be done. Like it's just a process and you have to learn to evolve and move because like for us, it looked like, all right, mom and winter in rehab. Great. All right. They're out of rehab. Great. And then, you know, eventually it's like they hit a year, they hit two years sober. Like, okay, great. Amazing. But then it's like, you know, like personally for me, it's like, okay, everyone's good. Now here are all the feelings that you haven't felt for the past two years. Have fun. You know, like it's going to be this ever evolving, changing process and you just have to learn how to be adaptable and, you know, like you said, operate with love throughout the whole process. Yes. Yeah. And everyone needs the chance to be heard. You know, everyone has a different, different experience when, you know, someone's getting sober and the, you know, and afterwards, you know, you have to take the time to speak your truth. It is a process and it doesn't happen overnight. And every single person has to have their own journey with it. And you got to respect that. Yeah. If it was a perfect world, you could jump in and be like, okay, everybody's well and better. Let's go. And it just doesn't happen like that. You've got to put the time and the effort in for your own healing and opening up and getting the help, you know, that you so desperately need to learn how to cope with all things, whether you're the addict or alcoholic or you're the daughter or the son or the husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I've been reflecting on this more as the holidays approach because the holidays are a really hard time for people in addiction and recovery. I remember really dreading when the holidays come up because it is a triple whammy. You're hit Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. It's just like drinking, drinking, drinking. And that's what we used to do. And now I love it because our families just evolved so much. And I actually like look forward to coming home for holidays because it's a safe space for us. Like that we have no alcohol in our house. And that's what we do. Like you have to make changes. And for us, it's that we can't have two people in recovery and then have a, st- a stocked wine fridge and white claws everywhere. Like that's just not what we do. And we love, you know, our mom and brother enough that we, I don't care. I actually am happy to not have that be a part of our family time. And I can't tell you like the excitement that I feel when I come home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, because I know that it's such a happy, healthy space. And mom, I would ask you this, like as we go into the holidays, you know it's hard for people. And I remember you that first year, how just awful it was, honestly, even in recovery or in sobriety. So what would your advice be as we go into that holiday season? Before you answer that, mom, I think that's a really great question. I just want to say like, it's okay if you don't feel that way. Like if you're going into a holiday and you're not excited about being sober, because I remember that first year was weird. I was like, this is going to be boring because all we ever did on the holidays is drink 
But after we did it once, it was like, oh, that actually wasn't bad. Like that was really, really great. It was better. And so it's totally okay if you're hesitant about that at first because it's something different. Anything new or anything different is going to be hard, but you get through it and you'll be honestly probably surprised at how much better it is. Absolutely. And it's just something new, you know, like our whole life since dad and I had been married had alcohol involved in it, you know? And so it's hard to imagine, wow, what is Christmas going to be like? You know, like I couldn't even imagine not having champagne and all that stuff. But, you know, when you are new in sobriety, you have got to have a plan. And if you do not have a plan, it will lead to a lot of stress. You know, I, I love to remember halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are four emotions new in sobriety. When you feel those, take care of those immediately. You know, I I heard that in the beginning days and I thought, what in the world? It's so true. It is so true because you were, for the first time in your life, feeling real feelings without alcohol covering them. So you check in with what you're feeling and you go take care of that need immediately. Have a plan. The first year sobriety, you probably don't need to go to the drunk fest Christmas party, you know, that's probably not for you. And, you know, not that it won't be available if you want to, but there's so many things in my life now that I thought I liked when I was drinking and now sober. I'm like, when I've checked in with myself, I'm like, I don't even like that. And that's okay. You evolve, you change, give yourself grace to choose and be who you want to be. The beautiful thing about being, you know, on this side, we get to live two different lives, you know, that terrible life that we had in addiction. And then now we get to choose who we want to be in sobriety. So take your time and figure that out. Have your network of people, you know, check in with them every single day. Even if you have to call someone six or eight times, that's when you call another alcoholic, you are helping them as much as they're helping you. So pick up that phone, go to a meeting. You've got to be in a safety net. You know, Bird said this to me early on. She goes, Mama, you're like a little baby in recovery. And you truly are. And you got to protect yourself. And, you know, and if you are in an environment or a place that you have to leave, that's okay too. Um, so have a plan, get your community in place. You know, say no to those things don't, that do not align to your goal of being sober. Say no. You know, you're not going to say no forever, but for today, you might have to, and that's okay. That's an important part that I want to make note of. You said it won't always be like this, and I think you have to have that grace for yourself of like, okay, it's not always going to be like this because it's just like this for now. Mm -hmm. Because there was a time where I couldn't have imagined you going to a Christmas party, and now you're back to your like social butterfly ways of like going to all the events and doing all the things, but you know yourself well enough to know when it's time to like check out. Mm -hmm. And with when. We had, he was at our friend's giving from the beginning to the end and there was drinking there and we had non-alcoholic and alcohol, alcoholic options, of course, but there was a time where I can never imagine being in the same place with my brother and friends that were drinking. And now it's so normal. So it really, it takes time time and it's not always going to be one way. Yeah, it's so true. And, and what is, is not what will be. You know, and we get so, and that's why in the rooms, you practice living every day in the present moment. You know, you can't future trip and, you know, it is, it's, it's hard to imagine. And family members that are trying to support their newly, you know, family member in sobriety, you've got to be patient with yourself, you know, and 
also know that life is going to look different for you, you know, and you have to decide, am I willing to lay this down? You might not be an alcoholic and you can drink fine. And normally, are you willing, you know, because what David, what, what David did for me is he laid it down. You know, we created a safe space in our home. We don't have alcohol here. Um, and really, we don't have people come over that bring alcohol. I don't know if it's going to be like that forever. It is right now because I needed that safe space. So really, as a family member, I would just encourage you to decide where you stand on it. You know, because if you're new in recovery, your person is going to need a safe place. You know, and sometimes and most all times it is your home that will be your safe place. And so you have to decide what you're willing to do and what you're willing to give up and, you know, make that choice for yourself. And, and always having options available too. Like I remember when you would come to Nashville, like I would have joyous or, you know, if we're having an event and when's there, like I'm going to have non-alcoholic beers that he likes. Like it's just going that extra mile to have those things for the people that you love because you love them. And like when you go out to dinner it's like you're going to get a mocktail or, you know, you're not going to do things that are going to put them in an uncomfortable position because ultimately you love them and you want the best for them. And I'll just say this too. You know, on the first podcast, I said, my friends, I felt like every, I felt like no one knew what to do because it was so new, you know, and now the beauty of it is they've watched me and, and they do have that. I, I hardly ever go to a function where there's not joyous or non-alcoholic, you know, my friends, so support me in that and and make that available. And, and they had to learn all about this new life. So it takes time. No one gets it. There's no, you know, like I said, there's no little checklist that you can go down and do all these things and everything's going to turn out. You know, it is such a process and people, you learn as you go and you have to be patient with yourself and, you know, and you find those people who support you, you know, like I know my friends that I can go to their house and I'm going to have something that's available for me too. And that just takes time. Yeah. And I think it's also like, you know, as we go into the holiday season, if you are someone who has someone who's in, new in recovery or, or this and that, like think about how badly you wanted them to get help and how much like hurt came from from that disease being an active part of your life. So you have to work with them. Like we could not sit here and beg our mom and brother to be sober and then pop open a Christmas cocktail. Like that's, (laughs) that's so shitty. Like if you are going to complain about it and you're going to, you know, want this recovery, you're going to want them to be sober. You have to play an active role in it. And for us, that's like, yeah, we don't drink Christmas cocktails. Fuck a Christmas cocktail. I don't want that. I do not want that. What I want is my family members to feel like they're in a safe space and that we can all enjoy a sober, happy holiday. And I don't even, I do not miss that life at all. I personally was never a fan of it. Like the boozy holiday season, I didn't like it. I love coming home from holidays now. I'm feeling like refreshed. I don't feel like, oh man, like the holidays really took me out. I'm like, oh yeah, I feel refreshed. I feel great because not only did I not drink a million things, but I had just quality, like really intentional time with people that I love the most. Yeah. And that's so true. I think we all feel that way. But yeah, I mean, drinking a Christmas cocktail, like that's like being on Whole30 and someone whipping out like an ice cream brownie in front of you and eating it. Like it's just fucking rude. And that and that's such a hard part in the first days of sobriety because I, and I can still feel like that sometimes. I can feel different, you know, 
But, you know, that that had to switch in my head. It, be, it, it used to be, I can't drink. No, I choose not to drink. And those people that love you and support you, like dad, he's like, I don't even, I mean, first of all, he's been on his own journey. He's lost all this weight. He's read the Bible in a year. I mean, I'm so proud of his goal setting that he's done this year. And then he got far enough away from alcohol, you know, that it's not a part of our life. It only took away. It never added to. And you just, you go without it a certain, you know, that's why even if you're like sober curious or whatever, give yourself 30 days. That's when you're going to feel the things that, you know, that feel different when alcohol is not on board. And so, you know, I know every family doesn't have it like this. I know, I mean, I have friends that their husbands still drink, their kids still drink in front of them. And for me, that would have been really, really hard in the early days to have not felt the support because we are so such a close-knit family. I would have felt so different and alone and it would have been so hard on me personally to try to stay sober if everyone's drinking around me. I think that's the number one piece of advice we can give. Like it's all or nothing and I'm sorry. Uh And I'm sorry if you feel like that sucks, but that's the truth of it. And I firmly stand by that. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, I just think that we're all better for it. Like there's nothing that I, that I dislike. It's, it's all adding to our life. And something that I love is like, we're all so deep in therapy now. It's so fun to have conversations. Like it really is because you can feel that coming through. Like when I, when I talk to like winter Allie and like if Allie and I get in an argument, I feel like we have like these tools that we didn't have before. And so now we have like empathy and compassion and forgiveness and we can <laughs> operate, th- operate through things. Like, no, you're, you're a bitch. You're a bitch. Like, yeah, we do that a little bit, but then we can, what we do is we step back and we use these tools that we gained, not even through our own personal journeys. We gain this from doing therapy because of all that was happening in our life with addiction and recovery. And now it's just made us better function human beings. It's I a love ripple having, effect. It is. I love, I love having conversations with my friends because like, they always say like, I feel like I'm talking to a therapist because I just, I have like therapy brain now. Yeah. It's funny because like when we get in arguments about the podcast, like the other day we (laughs) had like a meeting or whatever. And then it's like, okay, I acknowledge that I did this and you did this and it made me feel this. I don't know. It was very like therapy speak. Well, it's all over because even during this house project that has been the most, you know, and also I would recommend if you're early in sobriety, do not add any stress to your life. It is stressful enough to lay down a highly addictive substance whether it be alcohol or drugs, don't get a dog, don't move, don't renovate, don't do anything. You keep your life so simple and as calm as you can. And and we did that and practiced that. This year, not so much. We got a puppy, <laughs> we renovated, like, and, but you know what? By Thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> dad and I said this other night, in our old days, we would have been like, F you, F you, F this whole thing. Like, you know, we would have just been at each other. And what a beautiful picture. Yes, life is hard. It comes at you and and things don't go as you want. You know, you can't control it. And I mean, all of this work that we've done is such a blessing because we've gone through a lot of hard stuff in sobriety. And you know what? We have different tools, different tools to pull from that, you know, we're not dropping the FU bomb anymore. You know, we're sitting, we know what it's like to be uncomfortable and to work to a solution. You know, are you perfect? No. Are you going to mess up? Absolutely. But, you know, you get these skills and it's free. 
for, I mean, Bird said it the best when you went to a meeting, you're like, mom, that's the best therapy I've ever had for a dollar. <laughs> and dad loves it. You know, he loves, he, he always says, these are the healthiest people I know that are sitting in the rooms of AA. And, and that's what's on the table. If you want to walk in and be brave enough to accept this beautiful gift, because all your relationships will change. And your physical appearance will change. Mom has never. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I'm not, not trying to shade, not trying to like shade people, but like I see mom lined up with people her age in Oxford. And I'm like, holy shit. Like you look like a Cullen. You look like the Cullen mom from Twilight. Like you do not age. Mom, mom, doesn't, <laughs> mom, mom doesn't understand that reference. You reverse, she like, you reverse age. Like you, you did. Cause like, I would say like when you were a little bit deep towards in there, I was kind of like, Oh, mom's, mom's aging. And now like you just glow, you glow. Like you're around these other people and you, you are outshining them. Cause you just like are so healthy on the inside and the outside. And, and that's great. That's awesome. Because I remember like having this, like, I guess because we are very intuitive, but I remember having this like very distinct thought of our family as heading in a really bad direction. And I think it was like before COVID even hit when I started to recognize that. And I remember mom coming to Nashville and we, I know exactly where we were sitting. We're sitting outside at Steadfast Coffee. Yeah, I remember. And I remember looking at her and she did not look well. Like she looked old. And haggard, honestly. And I remember looking at her and I'm like, I think we need to like cut back on the drinking a little bit or something. And yeah, I mean, it's like a 180. It's wild. It's yeah. You you know, I think about, I love that part. You're blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. And I was, you, you can't shine from within when so much, you know, all that pain and all that stuff It is just, you know, it, it was so obvious. I couldn't see it then. I can see it now looking back at old pics, but it is. It's it's just a miracle to see the lights come back on. And that's the first thing I notice in people that have a little bit of time that come back into the rooms. I mean, sometimes I don't even recognize them because it always takes my breath away when I see someone that just last Saturday, I had to ask this guy if that was his son because he looked so different. He's been sober for five months. He looked like a different person. It's amazing. It is true. Like yeah. if you're suffering that much, like it will be written all over your face. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. Well, mom, I think like as we close out the episode and and we are so grateful that you share your story, what is coming up for you? What are things you're excited about as you enter, you know, a new a new era? What is this era for you? Yeah. Tell us about it. Well, I know. I'm just I'm always so excited to see, you know, I love your divinely where you need to be with the people you're supposed to be with and that is something I hold true. My friend Kent taught me that one. I came out of rehab and I try to just, you know, just every morning I pray just God to align me to his will and, you know, to be excited, to be curious, you know, um, there are things I want to do, you know, I really want to write our story in some form. I don't know what that's going to look like, but, you know, that's something I feel like I want to share with people because I just feel like every time you share your story, there's a strand of it that will somehow pull at the heart of someone and, and, to not feel alone and to seek that help. So that's something I really want to do. Um, I don't know. I just, I really, I love being in the recovery space, whether that be yoga, you know, I would love down the road to maybe be someone that helps families and, you know, to reintegrate into being a sober home. You know, I don't know what that's going to look like either. I'm just trying to go really slow and be very mindful what is supposed to be my yes and what is supposed to definitely be my no. 
So I'm just excited to have this new little puppy in our life. Mm -hmm. And dad and I are just, um, you know, I feel like too, getting sober, I finally created a life I really love. I mean, y'all know I used to bawl, cry when y'all left and just, it was, and it's hard. It is hard. Look, all those moms out there know when your babies leave, you know, that was, that was when my drinking really went off the rails is because the job I had was being y'all's mom and I loved it so much and life changed in an instant. That last kid leaves and you're like, what in the heck, you know, what did I do? I ran out and got two certificates and two things I don't really enjoy at all. But you know, that that's the beauty of getting sober, feeling all these feelings, getting yourself back in a line to what is your true spirit and enjoying it. And I truly enjoy the life that dad and I have created together. And, you know, I'm just very excited to see what um, is around the corner and, you know, what God will place in my path. And um, I'm just excited to um, be present for it all. We are very excited because there is an opportunity to get more Christy time and go call Mm -hmm. your sister time coming up very Mm -hmm. soon. Yes, we are so excited to announce that we are having our very first in-person Go Call Your Sisterhood event, December 27th in Oxford, Mississippi. It's going to be at Baptiste Power Yoga, where mom teaches. Our favorite place. And it's going to be really, really fun. We're excited just to bring people together. Mom's going to do a mini yoga class. We're going to do some vision boarding for 2024. We're going to have some really awesome swag um, from different sponsors. And we just couldn't be more excited about it. It feels really aligned. It does. Yeah. Something that we wanted to really work on is kind of building our sisterhood and that's doing in-person events and that's seeing you guys in real life. So we're going to give a little test run December 27th. We know it's really soon after the holidays, but we're just hoping that whoever is in Oxford can come and not only hang out with us, but hang out with KB. Honestly, let's be real. The people are going to come for Christy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't even need to show make up. me feel so good today. Maybe we can have some cookies at this. Are cookies allowed at this event? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So y'all stay tuned for that. Um, we'll be putting more information out on our socials. We're going to include a link to the ticket page. And mom, thank you for being here. And for everyone listening, I know we're going into the holidays. It's a hard time for a lot of people. People start thinking some weird thoughts during the holidays. Like, let's be real. Like, it's kind of weird. And we just want to say, like, we love you guys. We're sending you love. You can always message us, like, if you need advice or just someone to listen to. And we're proud of you guys. So we're proud of every single person, family member, sister, brother, mom, dad, anyone who's living this life, you guys are doing great. You're doing great. Everyone's doing great. Mom, you're doing great. We love you. We are proud of you. And honestly, we couldn't be just happier to have you on the show and to be sitting right here next to you. Well, thank you, girls. I love being a part of your lives. And I'm always going to be your biggest cheerleader cheering you on. Um, Y'all have definitely been mine in this space. And I just... I'm so thankful that you are mine and I just love y'all so much and thank you for having me.